0: Welcome to the Wednesday, September 12th edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. On today's show, we speak with Max Hepp-Buchanan of BikeWalk RVA about the city's bike master plan and support and opposition for the oh-so-controversial Brook Road bike lane. We wonder, in a city trying to be green and modern and compete with other similar-sized cities, why there would be any opposition to increasing safe, non-gas-powered forms of transportation. Let's discuss.
1: Well, welcome to this week's show. We have uh, a guest for everybody today. Welcome to the show, Max.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming on. So, Max, you are with BikeWalk RVA. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization?
2: Sure. Um Bike walk RVA is actually a program of Sportsbackers. Sportsbackers is a 501c3 nonprofit. We are the Richmond Region's active um, active lifestyle organization. Most people know us from things like the Monument Avenue 10K and Dominion River Rock and the Richmond Marathon and stuff like that. About six years ago, seven years ago, we went through a strategic planning process uh, long before I was even in Richmond. It was the our executive director, John Luckbill, and the board. And they made a strategic choice to try to advocate for changes in the built environment that make people physically active on a daily basis. and. The best way to do that is to put in bike lanes and pave trails and make our streets safer so that it, we're not you know, just riding bikes for recreation, but we're doing it daily for transportation. And then I moved over here from Seattle in 2013. I had been doing this type of work in Seattle for years already and really tried to get BikeWalk RVA off the ground and, and really have a focus on transportation and equity and just making sure people are safe.
1: In that time period, there's something we keep, we always hear, I think there's 50,000 master plans in Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a new one. <laughs> always always a new one before the last even, one. Is even though we
3: haven't completed the previous one. completed, right. like, I
1: don't even. <laughs> We're always planning here in Richmond. So there is this thing that we keep hearing is the bike master plan. Right. Can you tell us more about what the bike master plan is? When did it start and get implemented and I guess where are we at on it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if I remember correctly, I wasn't even in Richmond when the sort of, when there were talks of a bike master plan. I had been hired but I was still wrapping things up in Seattle and I got a phone call that said uh, Mayor Jones had allocated money to develop a bicycle master plan, which is a great first step for a city. That's like, that's where you get started and Richmond really hadn't taken off with bike infrastructure yet. So one of the first things that I Worked on with the city was developing this Bike Master Plan and making sure that people knew about the public meetings and really trying to get people there and talk about what roads are most important for them for for getting around their neighborhoods, for getting into downtown, for getting across the river. And they hired a consultant, um, Alta Design and Planning, and from there came up with a draft and it was vetted. I can't remember how many different meetings there were, but there were several. Um, There was a survey done that hit thousands of people. It incorporated all of that, and then the Bike Master Plan comes out, and that is a blueprint of recommendations of where we're going to put bike infrastructure and what type of bike infrastructure we're going to put down because it's not all created equal. You'll see markings on Boulevard out here that are in the middle of the lane um, with a couple of chevrons and a bike stencil, and those are called sharrows, and basically that means that if you're riding a bike, you get to share the road with traffic, just like you would do even if those markings weren't there. Right. You're, you're riding in the lane. Then there are you know, standard bike lanes, which are basically a five-foot shoulder that's striped on the side of the road. And that's, that's a dedicated space, but it's not protected. There's nothing that's stopping a car from pulling in there and, and hitting you. Mm-hmm. And then to take that up a notch, there are protected bike lanes. Um, we, our first one was on Fairfield Way, It's really, really short, but it basically connects um, Church Hill down to Oliver Hill Way over by the jail. And that has flexible um, plastic posts all along it. Um, And then we have Franklin Street, which is our first two-way protected bike lane downtown. And that has plastic posts and on-street parking protecting cyclists. So people who are riding bikes on Franklin are going to feel a lot safer riding there than they would on Boulevard in, in mixed traffic, and that's really the standard that we're trying to to get to. Now the Bike Master Plan has a bunch of recommendations for where we're putting these things, and we've really tried to increase the the standard for the type of infrastructure to go from standard bike lane to protected bike lane in as many instances as we can, because that's what the public wants. We've heard that over and over and over again.
1: I, I know. I think the first time I I was fully aware of there was a Bike Master Plan, <laughs> I think it was the Mayorathon. Mm-hmm. Forum, where they put the, it might have been you guys put a big picture up of the current status of bike lanes uh-huh. in Richmond. Oh, yeah. were they, none yeah. of them even really? Yeah, and it looked from. like elementary school kid had gotten a hold of a crayon and just scribbled everywhere. So it's just completely yeah. all over the place. and They didn't really connect, and was like little tiny squiggles. And I don't. How are you even gonna ride a bike here?
2: Uh, it looks like someone took a bunch of little pieces of spaghetti and threw <laughs> them at a wall. Yep,
1: yep. It's <laughs> like just testing to see if this is cooked yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, in you know, looking at the bike master plan it's i think i've seen where it was supposed to be like a two to four year vision and i think it was passed around the 2014 ish time frame
2: it was finished in 2015 i believe the plan has a 10-year horizon which is basically like we want to get all this stuff done in 10 years i don't know that it'll happen in 10 years and we might down the road want to revisit it and update it because that's what cities do um seattle had they did their bike master plan in uh 2007 and then updated it in 2012 um, and it's a much better plan now, but they for five years, they were out there building stuff mm. every year. Um, we're getting to the point where we are building stuff every year. There was a little bit of a lag there for a while. But now that we're starting to get momentum, I I guess we'll talk about it later, but hurdles come up.
1: Yeah, so we can go on to that now. So speaking of hurdles, it's a great transition, I think. (laughs) Um, Right now and coming up, I believe it's the 18th, is the day that this legislation goes into committee. There's actually, by the time this airs, there will have been another public meeting about this, actually what would be last night, the 11th of September, um, to hear concerns and comments and positive things about bike lanes in the uh, area. But this is the now infamous Brook Road bike lanes. So this legislation... Legislation uh, that we're currently discussing was submitted on June 25th of this year, and it was submitted by Second District Councilwoman Kim Gray and Third District Councilman Chris Hilbert. And basically, what it it literally says is that this legislation would prohibit on Brook Road between Azalea and West Charity Street any new travel lanes from being designated uh, bike travel lanes. So, this is basically saying we can't convert a current travel lane. Um, but we also can't add new space to the travel lanes, which this is basically one of the next projects that's gone through the design phase for the Bike Master Plan. It's It's been funded federally already, so it's not city money that's coming out of any budget, so we can't say, hey, schools would be better served for this. It's, it's not their money. Right, it's federal money, and this is for Brook Road, and would actually go between Azalea Avenue all the way down to West Charity Street, which is a pretty long stretch of land, and goes through some pretty big intersections that would help bring some of this bike master plan together and connect a lot of neighborhoods. Through yes. that area. Yes. Yes. To your point about equity, I think it's a very wide, varying mm-hmm. um, neighborhoods so that entire stretch. Right. Um, which is actually, I think it was, I think it's really cool. I'm like looking like I can get over there from my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what is this bike lane? I guess right now supposed to look like at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brook Road is a very wide street, right? And for a lot of it, there's on-street parking on both sides, and then for, a lot of, for all of it, there's two travel lanes. At the intersections, you often have a right-turn lane, two through lanes, and a left-turn lane. The bike lane design, which I have pulled up here, um, would eliminate one travel lane in each direction. Um, and so, starting from the curb, you would go curb, bike lane, Buffer zone, which is where you, you put in the plastic posts and the extra space to keep people on bikes safe. And then, yeah. Right. And then you would have on-street parking. And that's not parking that um, fluctuates any time of the day, like on Franklin Street where there's a parking restriction during rush hour. This is just 24-7 parking. Mm-hmm. And then you would have um, the car travel lane. Now, as you come up to intersections, this has been a major talking point that we've tried to reiterate because I don't think a lot of people know this. All the signalized intersections are going to stay the same as they are today, if not get better for car traffic. Because the intersections is where you have congestion points. It's not in the segments in between intersections. It's actually at the intersections. So by retaining you know turn lanes and through lanes at all of the intersections traffic's going to be able to move through there really normally just as it does today and then it and then it narrows up in between some of those intersections mm-hmm. to add the the protected bike lane so in our mind there's been compromises made already to the design and that's that as you like if you're traveling south on Brook and you're approaching Laburnum your bike lane's going to drop about half a block before you get to the intersection and you're going to have to ride in mixed traffic as you approach the intersection, which isn't ideal for people on bikes, but that's how you avoid the congestion problem. And then when you get through the intersection, you get to jump back back into the bike lane, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a very under-talked-about point, because I don't think I realize that.
3: Uh, It's come up before. They talked about at the intersections, the turn lanes are going to remain the same. That And the throughways, it's just that in between is where it would be narrow, and people say, well, you're cramming all those cars in one lane. Right. Like well, hey, you guys will survive. <laughs> You'll be fine.
2: Brook Road's very uh, under capacity in terms of how many cars use it, based yeah. on how it's yeah. built. So, you could take both lanes and smush them together, and you're still going to have the same throughput. Um, hopefully speeds will go down a little bit because speeding is actually a big problem on Brook Road and yes it is bike lanes have been shown to reduce s- incidence of speeding so t- for us that's that's good all around that's good for people driving that's good for people walking
0: Well and I've noticed too uh, from Lombardi to Laburnum um, it's hardly trafficked at all uh, in rush hour it's really not that busy
2: it's not I'm, I live five blocks off of there and I I drive it as often as I bike it and it's not. It's not an issue. Yeah,
1: I always <laughs> think those lanes are kind of comical. I'm like a big Seinfeld fan so I always have this mental image of, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode where Kramer's like painting to make the luxury lanes <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah, it yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. this huge, that's how I feel sometimes when I'm driving on parts of Brook Road because right, I'm just like this is, huge. W- yeah. I'm not even sure where I'm supposed to be anymore.
3: Well we need, we need those huge because the potholes are not the <laughs> Mario Super Kart <laughs> coins out of your car when you hit them so you need that much lane to avoid the <laughs> it's terrible.
2: but oh, jesse to your point like there's very little markings on brook road now and that the outside lanes are really really wide and it's like is this a parking lane yeah. or is this a driving lane so this project is actually going to add a lot of order to the street yeah. and it'll be really clear where you're supposed to be, and what you're supposed to do when you're there. Are you supposed to park there? Are you supposed to drive there? Are you riding your bike there? All of that will make sense. It'll probably make a lot more sense than it does now.
3: I I wish that that's the ideal truth, but look at the pulse. Downtown,
0: or if you want to, it's clearly a, a, marked. A closer um, example is um, Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Parkway. Actually, people yeah. drive in those. People designated people are bike just lanes all the time. Right? You know, even if, if you, you ha- put it on the street, and but say, if you have the barrier though, the barrier poles. If you if you run into those, then you just take them down. Just stop driving. <laughs> you just take them down. And stop.
2: If you yeah. run into those, you're in the wrong lane. Right, yeah.
0: completely. Yeah. and and you'll know it by the
1: dents in your car. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, and so one question I had then also kind of to all these points about parking. So, on my understanding of the Franklin Lake Street one, because a lot of people have compared this to like the quote unquote nightmare of Franklin Street. Oh my gosh! Oh gosh. So yeah. this is one that it has floating parking, but it's it, the floating parking goes away during high traffic hours. So those would be like your rush hour times. Whereas this one, I think you mentioned, it's floating parking all the time, twenty four seven. So it's not having to sit there and look at, like, what time is it? What am I doing? And figure that out. So with that, since it's 24-7, are the markings on that parking lane going to look different? Or could they look different to yes. be much more clear?
2: Yeah, that's what I've been told is that it'll be marked as a parking lane. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know exactly what that means mm-hmm. but it will not look like a driving lane
1: maybe paint other than white because like that's one thing even with the pulse ones i almost did this yesterday when i was driving i was like oh oh man the pulse lane's about to start and like, it's only because i knew it was coming mm-hmm. and i saw it at the end of that pulse lane i'm like oh i need to correct my life here yeah you know, um, or, and it, it's been there for a
3: good while now and i we still got cars running in buses and and stuff because people aren't
0: paying (laughs) attention and
3: that's but it's true and i think that's one of the main reasons why we need protected bike lanes in richmond is because it's dangerous for i not even just bikers but i feel so sorry for the people that it's which is especially high trafficked on that brook road corridor people riding those um scooters and people that are riding literally down the street in their motorized wheelchairs, and it Mm -hmm. frightens me Mm -hmm. so bad to see those people in traffic or trying to cross the street, and th- there's no protected lane for them to either get on the sidewalk, if there is a sidewalk, right? You know, so, and that's a I see that probably more anywhere than there than anywhere else are those people in their motorized wheelchairs trying to trying to get to the Walgreens, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> trying to get to Walgreens. I've seen exactly. far too many wheelchairs up yeah, and down those roads. It's it is, and I, I, you know, I know they're probably not supposed to be in the bike lane, but I'd rather have them well, in there than I'd
2: then. rather have them in the bike lane yeah, than me anywhere else. I think we can all, I think wheelchair users and bikers can share the bike lanes yeah. just fine. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. they're, they're wheels. Like, yep. There we go. Not four. Going to the kind of the traffic side of it. So, what actually is the capacity of Brook Road right now per day? I've heard numbers of like the ten thousands. Is I don't remember if that was what's used or.
2: So my understanding is that the the busiest segment of Brook Road carries about eleven thousand cars per day. That doesn't mean that that's the capacity of Brook Road. That's just how much it carries. Right now, it, it could carry a lot more, like a lot more. Um, Chamberlain carries uh, over twenty thousand cars per day, and there's actually less space on Chamberlain in a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so Brook Road it can definitely carry more traffic.
1: Because I remember Chamberlain doesn't have the, like, Brook Road, I was reading this somewhere where Brook Road actually has turn lanes,
2: mm-hmm. right. whereas Chamberlain, Chamberlain
3: has none. Does not. Chamberlain yeah. has no yeah. turn lanes, so you get backed up when somebody goes to turn. Yeah.
2: <sighs> right, and yeah. so that's the that's the issue with, with Chamberlain. So the Federal Highway Administration has these thresholds for doing road diets, which is what's proposed for Brook, where you take a lane away. And generally the threshold is 20,000 cars per day. If it's over that, m- don't do the road diet. Mm -hmm. unless there's special conditions. But with 11,000 cars per day, any traffic engineer will tell you that's fine.
1: I think that brings us to some of these objections that we can go through, just kind of talking through, like, what have we heard? Because I've been to a number of meetings about this, and honestly, my personal frustration is it's a, a lot of the one side of saying, hey, we don't want these bike lanes, in my opinion, has been based on gut feeling and instinct and just personal fears and anxieties. And not data. And not necessarily data. And then I think there's also just miscommunication and misunderstanding about you know what data is out there because I think there's a lot of people that are getting involved and they might not recognize that there is actually kind of a a reason I think in my opinion that this is coming up like the way that it is. Mm-hmm. So if we can go through some of the objections, and I guess we should set the stage for like what is this objection that you're talking about, Jesse, mysteriously that no one knows about? Yes. <laughs> there. There are
0: shockingly objections to safe bike travel yeah. in our city. So the first one we're going to
1: talk about really quick, as I just want to set this up, is the Westwood Tract.
3: Dun dun
0: dun. <laughs> like we y'all talked y'all thought... about the Westwood Tract so much, please <laughs> feel free to go through our archives
1: <laughs> and listen to us yammer on about it. Man, so, ad nausea. Ad nausea. So yeah. So the basic summary here, as a quick, quick little backstory on what is Westwood Tract and why are we even talking about it. Again. Again. Right now. Because I think a lot of these concerns that are raised really tie back down to really one, maybe two intersections. Mm-hmm. And they relate a lot to this development here that's at Westwood Tract. So when we say Westwood Tract, it literally means Westwood and Brook Road. And it's this this piece of land that's actually 34 acres. It's owned by Union Presbyterian Seminary. And they're currently developing apartments there. And so it's going to be partial affordable housing. And then also some of the apartments will go to students. And the idea here is that UPS is um, looking to raise revenue and be able to continue to afford in a time where people's enrollment might be going down, um, be able to really afford continuing their operations there. So they have this 34 acres of land. And this conversation has been going on, um, I believe I went back as far as like 2014, Mm -hmm. when their original talks about this. And the original plan was actually for 500 dollars 88 units across all 34 acres of land. And then fast forward, it ends up being in 2015 that they actually reduced it. And after like a lot of community input about this is not what we want, they actually reduced it to ultimately the current proposal that they're building on, which is 301 apartments. And it's on 15 acres, which then leaves 19 acres that are untouched for a public park. Yeah, the neighborhood
0: still gets their dog park, basically.
1: Yeah, and they've said that, like, while they reserve the right in the future if they have to develop it, there's no immediate plans to develop that at this point. They're only focused on these 301 units. So they're
3: compromising.
1: Right. So... This is one thing where this is currently under development, and going through the the history of this area, really, there was a couple of lawsuits in 2017 from the community to try to block the development, which was after it had already been passed by the Planning Commission. There is one thing in 2015 that's always brought up that I keep finding, is there's this 2015 traffic survey that is actually completed by, um, I believe it was the Timmins Group. Timmins Group who uh, did it on behalf of bristol which is the development company and so this traffic study actually had some i thought i thought it was fascinating information Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least i thought it was they actually went through and were trying to get like an idea of you know how is this actually going to impact the area and how does it look as far as cars and veritas basically the people who oppose westwood tract declare that this study is invalid because they they have all these allegations of, oh, it doesn't consider this. It doesn't consider this. There's actually a letter response from the Timmons group dated <laughs> January 2016 that one by one is like, no, this is why this still is valid. And the big side of this is it's the question that people have about like, well, how many cars are really is it going to be here? And if you look at the proportions of how many um, apartments there are, it's mostly one bedroom apartments. I think about half of them are one bedroom apartments. There's only three that are three-bedroom apartments, and then the rest of them are two-bedroom apartments. And one of the big points that uh, the Timmons Group actually states is that apartments contribute far less vehicles than single-family dwellings. Because one thing that you'll keep hearing is, "Hey, these 301 apartments come with 301 cars, and and are more than the entire Lombardi. I think it's Lombardi Park area yeah. um, of that whole. Liburnum Park. Labernum Park area. Arno. That whole community area." And the point is also, though, like apartments, less traffic and less cars than an entire house. Even with this, if you assume you could, let's even say that every single one has 301 units. They're all rented out. And let's say even at that point, they have three cars each, which most of them are one bedrooms. That's not a thing that's going to happen. About <laughs> that. That still is less than a, a thousand cars. So, if you start thinking about commutes and you're adding in trips, in my mind, even if you're adding two to 3,000 car trips a day and really putting this on the extreme, we just mentioned that 11,000 trips a day currently is still well below the 20,000, even if you add in some extreme number of cars and do like this mental math. Yeah. So then the only other thing That's contention, not allowed,
3: Jesse. You know, I'm just you know that's not allowed. I know.
1: Like, <laughs> mm, um math or facts, I don't know. Both. The other part there is there's this school there, Veritas, that has a lot of people coming in and out of it that causes traffic and congestion. And actually in this traffic survey it, it was done during school hours and during the while schools in session. So it does actually accommodate that whole area there. So part of it is also this alleged fear, I think at least of hey, well there's this other nineteen acres that but in theory, one day they could develop.
3: <laughs> and that's what they're going to do. Right.
1: And, and then suddenly we'll have 10,000 more vehicles. <laughs> which would also put us back in the whole planning side of this, in my opinion. Like we right. have to go back through the permitting. We have to go back through the studies. Yeah. So if things were dramatically changed at that point. But one of the other pieces that I thought was also just like well, this is also very interesting to me, was one of the reasons that the Timmins group said that we shouldn't take, of course, there's not even plans, much less an approved document, which is not standard to include in a traffic survey. But they looked at the history of Brook Road and the vehicles on Brook Road had actually decreased over the past decade of the number of trips. Mm -hmm. And so they basically said anything that we projected of anticipated in the future, we would have to project it based on a decrease. Because this is a road that's been used less and less over time. If you see that it's gone down and declined and then you're adding in these apartments, it really shouldn't be a make or break, at least in my opinion, of looking at...
3: Yeah, it's going to kind of level itself out. Yeah. Right,
1: right. So there's a lot of, I think, just conjecture and people's fear around this. I don't want that in my Well, neighborhood. it's Richmond.
0: Change is hard. Change is so hard here. There's so many people that, that want it and there's always going to be resistance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And here we are once again.
1: And so that's why I think, I mean, that's my personal thoughts on where a lot of, that's probably like the number one, any objection that I've heard has kind of stemmed from that. From the Westwood track? Yeah. yeah. Excuse me, the canopy. Oh yeah, that's right. FYI, the other name's the canopy. That's actually the actual name of the development guys.
0: Right. Uh, let's be clear. There, there are other concerns that people have in the area. Some people still think that they're going to lose parking, even though they've been told over and over and over again that it's not going to happen.
2: Parking stays.
0: Parking yeah. stays, or they think that the... Floating parking is gonna be dangerous. Which anybody it's got any dangerous. thoughts on
3: that? It's not dangerous if you follow the directions that are on the damn road. Then you don't right. crash into a parked car.
2: And hopefully the the design makes people drive the speed limit, yeah. which they're. 65% of traffic is not doing now. Right. You shouldn't so, be laughing.
1: This is terrible. <clears throat> Honestly, I think I said this on Twitter. I did not know Brook Road was 35 miles an hour until this bike lane discussion.
0: Yeah, because everybody's blazing like through 55 it 50. Mile
3: an hour. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. definitely like, 55 miles per hour because. I would
1: never
0: try to walk across it. <laughs> it is 35. <laughs> it's I hot. know it's 35. It's during rush hour.
3: But nobody drives that because <laughs> oh. if you try to drive 35, oh, honey. Everybody's
0: like, grandma, move it along.
3: Yes. They're but like, get out of the way.
0: I, for one, look forward to slower traffic on. Yeah,
3: Road. I've been hit twice on Brook Road.
2: In your back. car?
0: Yeah, in the back. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness it was <laughs> your actual person. Yes. You are listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRILP ninety-seven point three FM Richmond.
1: I have though about like dangers, let's see what everybody thinks about this. When we talk about danger, you know, we're talking about a lot of the dangers for per- people that are in vehicles. So I work in the insurance industry and I could go on like a 30-minute soapbox at a summary minimum about the rising cost of claims, especially as they relate to increased frequency of accidents because of texting while driving. Hmm. And really that falls under this whole broad category of distracted driving and everything like that. It's just right. generally distracted driving has been on the rise. And these are the moments where I'm like If you're not paying attention to the road you're looking at your phone yeah you're messing around with the knob like that's the highest risk here i think especially until you get used to it of like you're not paying attention yeah it new changes will require
0: you you know some level of looking at what you're doing Mm -hmm.
1: but also if i have a low speed accident at least now it'll be low speed, 35, relatively. That's a
3: lot different than you hitting me in the back at 55 miles, 58 miles per hour.
1: And a lot different from me hitting a bicyclist.
2: Yes. Oof. Yeah, or, or a pedestrian. pedestrian. I mean, yeah. part of the problem with Brooke is that it's hard to cross because you're crossing two lanes, and both of those lanes are going really fast. And mm-hmm. if a car hits a pedestrian going 40 miles an hour, there's a 15% chance that that pedestrian going to survive or mm-hmm. um, as if you hit a pedestrian going 25 miles an hour there's a much higher likelihood that the pedestrian's going to survive so mm-hmm. this is slowing speeds should be the number one priority on Brook Road
1: speaking really quickly about the casualties and what's really at risk here do you have any information about how many people are injured every year in Richmond City or how many people have been injured recently on bikes on bikes
2: I don't have the data uh, right in front of me I will say that for Brook Road and since 2014 there's been 67 crashes that have resulted in serious injury.
3: With a bike? Oh.
2: No, just crashes Arm. in general, yeah. okay, right? In general. Um, and those don't include the ones where it was just a fender bender. These are ones where, like, someone had to go to the hospital. And there's oh. been there's been a fatality on Brook Road. So, you know, we have to, when we think about these things, what what's the cost of a human life, right? Like, is is there infinite cost? Is there some sort of set cost? Is the cost worth putting this infrastructure down and slowing the speed even if it saves that one person who died since 2014, I would say that it does. And I think that that person's family would probably agree too.
1: And I, I think that's also part of the vision zero in the city. There was a resolution that the city signed off on. I found a bunch in the 2012 and 2013 timeframe when Dwight Jones was mayor. It was like the start of a lot of different things, where it was like the RVA green plan, which is about our sustainability, which relates back into bikeways. And also, there was the Richmond Connects, Richmond Strategic Multimodal Transportation Plan. Yes,
2: right. Yes. And the Bike Master Plan is actually an appendix to that. <laughs>
1: to that. There mm-hmm. we go. And then there's also like there's just all of these different things that we're trying to do. Vision Zero comes in, which is trying to get to zero deaths by I think 2030 is the goal. Right. We're right around that time frame. We started all of these great things that were to really transform the city into I mean a, a true urban city destination. Where mm-hmm. I, I mean, how many other cities have I been in where? biking and walking is the norm versus like let me drive my three miles
2: yeah right exactly and as we're you know when we were talking about the westwood tract we should be offering ways for people to leave their car at home so if if we're bringing in you know 300 units um right at that intersection how great would it be if they had a way to get downtown that wasn't driving their car but the only way we're going to do that is by offering enhanced transit options, and safe bike infrastructure. And if you start to do all these things like real cities are doing... People leave their cars at home. People leave their cars at home. The mode share starts to shift around and gets distributed to other modes of transportation. And that's exactly the direction we should be going. We shouldn't just be planning for, what about more cars? What about more cars? Yeah. And then, of course, there's the the Vision Zero and the safety elements of that. More cars on the road mean more traffic crashes, uh, more fatalities, more injuries... So, Vision Zero is very much a um, multidisciplinary approach. It has to be enforcement. It has to be education. It has to be engineering, but also we should reduce the number of people driving.
1: I think you know to the point about Westwood Tract. If I'm somebody that's looking at apartments, and you know I see that there's this apartment complex that's right here by this great protected bike lane. If I'm somebody who wants to ride a bike, I might be attracted to live there. To live there, yeah. yeah. And I might never bring my car with me. Right. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, like hypothetical speaking. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. When I lived in Seattle, I did not own a car because the transit options were awesome. The bike infrastructure was awesome. Things were within walking distance. And I moved out to... I can't even imagine life I
0: know, right?
3: That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Well,
2: it's hard for me to even remember it now because I have two cars at home. Um, When I moved out here, my wife and I had a uh, five-month-old baby, and now we have a second kid. and. Our lives have changed, and we depend on our cars to get around. Now, we don't want to, and I can now take a bus that runs on Chamberlain every 15 minutes into downtown, which is amazing, and I've started doing that. It's like the first time I've started riding a bus in Richmond is after the transit network plan was implemented. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're, we're starting on that course, and we shouldn't be doing things to hold it up. We should be embracing this change.
1: So I know one other um, objection that I've heard is about the potential for a buffered bike lane and it going down to one lane of traffic being an impediment to emergency vehicles. So I remember at a Northside district meeting, kind of like the counterpoint of this really quick, was at a Northside district meeting, there was actually the – it was the mayor's meeting is what it was. I don't know if you were there. Who was there with me? But they directly asked the police chief – and the fire chief, if this would be a problem, and like, have they seen any reduction or increase in service times from the Franklin Street bike lanes? And the answer was no. They have no concerns about this impacting emergency vehicles, but also like those those pylons. So like, if there is a situation like those pylons, like somebody hits pylon. them, pylon, pylon, pl- pylon, pylon, yeah, pylon sticks in the ground. <laughs> they're,
3: they're yeah. essentially they're dead if you hit them. They're done. Yeah, okay. So run over them.
1: <laughs> but they're like breakaway, kind of like those like nifty. Zipper jeans?
3: Yeah.
2: They're, they're meant to be able to be driven over by emergency vehicles. Yeah, like that's, there you go. They're designed in that way, and it won't damage the vehicle or anything. They're The, the good ones, they'll bounce back up. If mm-hmm. you've got bad ones, they might come off. But, like, it doesn't matter, right?
0: <laughs> right. So yeah. there there's your solution right there. No more worries. If the emergency services aren't worried, residents shouldn't be again, worried either. But, that's, again,
3: that's the, that's the rate of dr- it, The wind can blow hard here in Richmond, and people go bonkers on the road. Like I don't know where the driver's license are DMV. They're not getting them from there. They're getting them from like Tallheimers or (laughs) like Sears and Roebuck. I'm I'm serious because there's no way. Like you will see an ambulance. I will hear it before I see it, and I look for it. I'm like, okay, let me get out of the way. People slam on brakes, and they're like, let me just stay still.
1: They don't try to just stop. That's not how
3: this works, you guys. You get out of the way so they can move, clear the lane. They're like. Oh, no. And I, I mean, I don't know. I learned to drive in the country, and then I went into the city. And I drove for a long time in New York. If you stay in the lane in New York, the ambulance just moves you right on out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're a casualty at that point. <laughs> Your bumper is done. And it's like, move out of the way. Like people, But again, yeah. I think that comes with people in Richmond. Car, having a car is so it's such a privilege in Richmond but you need it it's a necessity because of the way that transportation is but you would think people would know how to drive better they just don't
2: <laughs> they just don't i don't that's i, I I'm, they just don't <laughs> they don't it reminds me of May the the event that we put on um, and Belial's was running for mayor and he said something on stage like Richmonders are equally bad at walking driving and biking yes we just (laughs) we're not good at anything (laughs)
0: yeah but i I noticed that well distractions are a thing um we're really distracted drivers here i've noticed so so many people cell phones Mm -hmm. playing with their doodads in their car whatever Mm -hmm. and i don't know if there needs to be a campaign (laughs) out there about teaching people you know about I think the penalties need to be. (laughs) Do we need to have um, a continuing education for adults on how to move in the city? No, because they have to be special.
3: Again, this is you learn this when you get your driver's license. The penalties need to be stricter. You need to go through something that's a little bit more strenuous when you get caught doing those things, and then you'll stop doing it. You know. At the same time,
2: we're making cars that have like entertainment console yeah, built into There's so them. much going
0: on in the car for the driver. Like why why does the driver need to be able to watch YouTube videos going down the road?
3: Well, and at one point I thought that there was a statute that stopped that. Cuz so I remember one of the cars I bought a car and somebody it was new to me but it was a used car and someone had rewired around this protector box and this box was like a legal thing, you know, and you couldn't you know, so if there was a DVD system in the car, the it was not visible to the driver. It was only visible to the passengers behind the driver. And so the car, they had the previous owner had rewired it so that the DVD system would play on the f- screen panel beside. And I'm like, I don't need to watch Finding Nemo while I'm driving. Like that's for my my right. baby. You know, I don't need to see Finding Nemo. I I can hear it. I need to be able to hear. The ambulance when they come behind me because <laughs> Sally sue over here is not gonna pull over she's gonna stop in the lane so i gotta be able to move so she can get out of the way
1: yeah so we got a lot of we got a lot to work on so i think there's there's <laughs> one um objection i kind of want to move over to that man it got me the most heated honestly oh i know what this one is the, the basic one and this actually came from that the councilman was the first person that said it chris hilbert and it was this idea that the one question nobody's been able to answer is when this bike lane goes in and there's only one lane of traffic, where's all the traffic gonna go? And the answer that he has decided, because nobody can give the answer, according to him, is gonna be pushed over to Chamberlain Avenue. In his opinion, it is unfair to the lower income residents on Chamberlain Avenue to have to deal with an increase in traffic on top of all of the other things they have to deal with in their life.
3: I wish he was that concerned when they had no heat. Next thank you next sorry next
1: don't don't apologize for i mean for that. and you know i think this this comes back next. down to that whole area that whole strip there's you go up and down chamberlain avenue and you see it's it's slum mm-hmm. where we see there's there's news stories about Some of those places now finally being condemned and like having to go through renovations. Well, maybe instead of being so
0: concerned about the extra traffic over there, maybe you should be concerned about the quality of life for the residents over there already. What they've got. And also, wouldn't bike lanes help? Oh yeah, a hundred percent.
2: So like, because those folks, a lot of them ride bikes. His concerns, I think, have like sort of two parts. One is, is traffic going to be diverted, and if it's going to be diverted. How are the folks who live along Chamberlain going to deal with that? The diversion thing, I think, is a little bit of a red herring because road diets are not meant to divert traffic to other roads. You're doing a road diet because it's over capacity. The road is built over capacity and Mm -hmm. and you have room to shrink it with the existing amount of traffic. Exactly. And that traffic is going to stay there. Now, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Brook Road, but I've, I've looked at at Federal Highway Administration case studies. I've, I've really tried to answer this question for myself and none of them show that traffic is clearly diverted to other roads because it, it doesn't typically do that. Now, oh. some might, but usually it doesn't, right? Then there's the question of the folks that, who live along Chamberlain. Right. And Chamberlain has, compared to the rest of the city, pretty high rates of households that don't have a car at home. And especially as you get further south down towards Gilpin Court, that rate skyrockets. Mm -hmm. And Chamberlain is a terrible place to ride a bike. It's not safe. There are a lot of low-income folks that use bikes primarily for transportation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they need a safe place to do it. Now, Brook Road's less than a quarter mile away and will have one of the best protected bike lanes in the city when this project is done. So it's going to benefit them. Chamberlain's also... Um, getting a bunch of new high visibility crosswalks at all the Uh signalized intersections which is going to do a lot for pedestrian safety the lights have been retimed to be more pedestrian friendly and it has enhanced transit service so chamberlain's become like the transit and sort of like walking corridor and there's a lot more destinations along chamberlain that you would want to walk to or take a bus Uh to but that doesn't solve the problem of low-income folks that need a bike to get into downtown for services or to work or, or what have you, um, or even just areas along there, church, drugstores, stuff like that. So Brook is like the ideal candidate for the bike lane. And then when you look at that corridor as a whole, it accommodates all modes, right? Mm-hmm.
1: That's a very good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Far, far more in-depth than my just- <laughs> So that answers point. your question. That's where the yeah. traffic gonna go. Yeah, yeah, that's- I think it's also fascinating to me, you know, I've lived in a couple of different cities, like, you know what, I'll actually say metro areas of mm-hmm. high traffic impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've lived in um, the northern New- Northern Virginia area, so like Herndon, Reston area. Yikes, yikes, Ooh. and yikes. Um, the inconsistency of the traffic there of just always bad. I've also lived in um, northern New Jersey, so just outside of Manhattan, in yikes. suburbs, and then also like Bayonne, and right there by the city. And Something that I've always just been fascinated, even though I'm, you know, from Chesterfield and Richmond is my home, is just our expectation in Richmond that we have a parking directly in front of our house or the business we want to go to. Mm-hmm. And then, B, no traffic at all. Ever. Ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> But at the same time we want this to be a big city and we want things like a coliseum, apparently and we want like bigger sports teams and we magical want magical unicorn But we, we want to maintain us us the off.
3: privilege of driving our car right. everywhere everywhere we go. and
0: parking directly in front of our walkway <laughs> on the sidewalk. I'm like you can walk half a block. It's going to be okay everyone. It'll probably it's be better be okay. for you actually. Right. But why are, why do we have such an um, aversion to exercise? Mm. Getting outside and doing something outside of your vehicle, mm. it might be good for you.
2: Well, and I guarantee
0: we, you, it'll be good for you. Not might. <laughs> it will be
2: good for you. Uh, whether we like it or not, traffic will get worse if we don't start putting these things in place now. Like the yeah. DC area is coming down to Richmond. It is coming for us. Yes. We will be absorbed eventually. Yeah. And if and we're not, we're not going to have a subway system. I'll Mm-mm. tell you that. So if we don't start doing things like BRT and local bus service and protected bike lanes, the traffic is going to be way worse than people could imagine. Yeah,
3: it's already showing the signs. So, yeah. You can already
1: see it. Stop fighting it, y'all. Yeah.
3: Progress. It's coming.
1: Well, I even just think about, like, It'd you brace know.
3: It. Or move to the county. If you got to have <laughs> 7,000 parking spots for your all of your cousins to come to your house at the same time for your Christmas party, move to Chesterfield. Or a Goochland.
1: Right. Well, and that's actually a, a fair point also because I just, you know, I live in Northside and, you know, I I don't have a driveway, but I do have an alley. I come to your house all the time. Or I the have never have issues for yeah. parking. I can park in the front, the and, back, the side. And there's a lot of areas like on Brook Road and those houses that have driveways. Yeah. And so, like, when I also, you know, I know there are people that have to still park, but also sometimes it's either – they have multiple vehicles. Or like that just might be the house that doesn't. So like it's just it's to the point of like Northside to me, the part of the reason I love living there is oh man, I don't have to figure out how to park like in the van. No. It's so easy. Oh. I got parking for days all around my house, but hey, I'm blessed. So then um I think one other concern that I've heard is about the um everyone keeps saying that Brook Road's Route One and it's a main highway. It ain't. It's, 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 it's
0: not Not within city limits. It's not, there's a truck restriction. It's not, it's not a major thoroughfare for getting through the state.
1: But I think you mentioned, Max, like we were talking a little bit earlier about um, where the trucks are allowed on Brook Road.
2: So south of Lombardi, that's where the truck restriction ends. Okay. So anything between Lombardi and Azalea, there's a truck restriction on Brook. All the trucks have to use Chamberlain.
1: So the majority, really, of where this bike lane is, there's a, an entire truck restriction.
2: Yeah, the, yeah, the vast majority. I don't know how many miles that is, but it's I would say at least two and a half miles of the corridor.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also. I mean, I think noteworthy is that where the Lombardi intersection is, it's. I mean, it's most of it. If I think about how to get from Lombardi down to Charity on Brook Road, it's not that far. Right. But also, the the intersection of contention is actually north in the truck restriction at the Westbrook and Brook Road area. So we shouldn't be worried about trucks zooming down there because the you look at route one actually on a map i had to look because i was like i don't i didn't think this was route one but i get confused and so like brook road as route one in henrico goes down and then when you get to azalea it actually takes a left onto azalea and then a right onto chamberlain Mm -hmm. so that's the main one that takes you all the way through the city um and then there's a couple of other places that it diverts through the city to accommodate what the road is made for yeah but then also if you look at brook road and you know that that's not route one now Took me a minute to figure it out, and then you look down and say that okay, so most of it really is in a truck restricted zone. Yeah. So we shouldn't be too concerned about yeah. heavy so chill vehicles. Chill out, chill out, y'all, chill out. I know this is like the whole theme of this.
2: Right, and then the the industrial area um, south of Lombardy, I went to their um, association meeting, and they have concerns about people riding bikes. Really, just south of Lombardi, they don't want their buck their bike. They don't want people riding bikes where their trucks are driving. And what I tried to explain was that if you put in a protected bike lane, the bikes are out of your way.
1: Mm-hmm. They are
2: out of the way of trucks. It's going to be safer for everybody. It's it's It restores order to the road. People know where they have to be. I don't think that they want people riding bikes on Brook. period. So it, their concerns were not satisfied.
1: But. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just looked at a map also. Like, it's... A good majority, I would say, if I had to estimate here, I think the part that has truck on this whole lane here might be 15%, 20% of the entire bike lane. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the wider parts of Brook. It's the part where I always feel like I'm just all over the road.
2: It also <laughs> has the, less amount, the least amount of traffic.
1: Okay, that's another good point. I've been fascinated looking at all these traffic studies. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this is an interesting thing to learn. Mm-hmm. The one that has always been, I think, and I think this is one of those for me, why I kind of put it here last on my notes of concerns is the lack, the alleged lack of community input. Because, huh. you know, one of the things for me is in all of this, you know, I've looked through and I can see on a timeline where with a lot of the discussions of Westwood tracked. And you know, we're there's conversations about the bike lanes happening. And at the same time we have our elected officials in 2016, mm-hmm. Hilbert and Gray, both answered a survey with their support of the protected bike lanes and the bike master plan they did and so i you know for me the biggest travesty of this whole contention with the bike lanes is really about you know what is our council person's role for me but also like what is our civic responsibility as individuals to get involved in these conversations because in my opinion looking at how these things are happening literally in, in one month there was March 2017. There were final designs of the Brook Road bike lanes at a meeting with over 100 attendees. Mm-hmm. The same time, where City Council was passing a resolution requesting traffic study and studies for the area where Westwood Tract was being built, which, by the way, never actually the study didn't get funded. It did, which it didn't happen. Yeah. Council has appropriating authority, but that's a whole other thing. So it's like you see these conversations happening, and for someone to say, "Well," There was no community input. for me, that's very frustrating because I I feel like we should never get to that place where people think that they haven't been asked the question because we can go and look at how many meetings happened with the bike master plan. How long have we been talking about these things? And, you know, how can we just take the lesson learned from here and and apply it elsewhere? Because this is not the only time that we've heard these, like, Mm -mm. arguments of. In
3: every single topic, we get the same thing, pretty much.
1: Yeah. It's
0: always there's not enough information or the community hasn't had enough input or there hasn't been enough time. And when does it become your council person's responsibility and when is it your responsibility to find the information? You know, I, but I feel like in this situation, we have a glut of information. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, but we've we have been,
3: people wanting to ignore it because it's not the information that they want to hear. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a different animal.
1: Like, I'm sorry, but if I'm not a traffic planner. Who am I to disagree with your traffic study? (laughs) Well, like I thought they were pretty solid answers, but I don't know. So, like, what what do you think, Max? As far as like community input, and you know, I I think there's a lot to be done still in this master plan, and like, where do we go from here to keep keep the conversation going so that we don't keep having these hurdles?
2: Right. Well, I mean, I get asked all the time, does every person living on Brook know about this project? And I would say no, Um, but I know that it has come up. In almost all of Chris Hilbert's district meetings lately it's been in Civic Association newsletters over the past couple of years Um, I feel like there has been a lot of information put out there and uh, the residents are doing a lot of that too there's a group of residents in Northside that have decided to call themselves bike walk Northside who will table at Christmas on MacArthur with sketches of the designs and help educate people. So there's been a lot of effort to reach as many people as possible. Going forward, I think that we probably need to develop some sort of system for reaching folks who live along a corridor so that we don't get to the point where like, not everybody knows about it. Let's do our best to at least mail something mm-hmm. to every house. That's easy to do. You have the addresses, yeah. you have the money for postage, that's something that should be done, but I don't think that there's like a a um, set outreach plan by the Department of Public Works for projects like this, and I think that there probably should be. I don't think that this project should be delayed um, or stopped. I mean, the the ordinance that's up for consideration is actually to ban installation. There's no gray area. It's just to ban installation of bike lanes. I don't think that that's the right approach, but I do think we need to in find ways to improve. Uh, Community engagement with projects like this
1: oh for sure like that's to me it's just been the one thing that just stands out in my mind is just you know how do we we've been talking about stuff for six years and to say hey we need to send this back and redo all this stuff
3: community input
1: or because hey one new project came up and really was a project that was happening in tandem like how do we get everybody involved um I think – I like the idea of doing the postcards. I know we just recently had the Department of Historic Services in in Blackwell area Uh had just found out that they didn't have the mailers go out as they thought they were. But that's at least, you know, a specific public notice thing that you can go back and say, these were mails. Mm -hmm. You should have received these instead of just, you know, hey, we sent out emails. Because one thing I – there was one email mistake where the the newsletter that I do get from my council person – didn't BCC everybody? Uh, it uh, had everybody's uh, CC, uh. so you could see exactly how many people were on the distribution list.
2: Have mercy.
1: It was less than three hundred people, and like that to not me, is, that's that's not very many. Nobody for a district for an entire district, district, the third district. And I can go through and see that there's over ten thousand. I think it was eleven or twelve thousand people voted in the last election in the third district uh. for the council person. So like that's nobody. That's depressing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I I like the idea of especially mailers and figuring out how can we get the Department of Public Works to have some kind of a system or process in place. But as we close out here, do we have any, like, final thoughts on Brook Road bike lanes and where we go from
0: here? Well, my final thought is we just need them. Let's not obstruct this because the people that are saying that they're concerned about uh, our lower income folks, you know, what's going to happen to them, they're going to benefit the most. They're going to benefit the most from the Brook Road bike lane honestly. Um, And the more protected bike lanes that we have, the better, I say. If you want us to get away and get to be a greener city and get away from all of these emissions and, you know, traffic violations and injuries, this is a good start.
3: I mean, right along the same vein, you know, if you're concerned about the plight of, you know, the poorest of us in the city, I wish that you'd apply this much force to other items as well. I mean, how is the bike, your logic that a bike lane is going to hurt these people, but you were silent during the heat crisis. I just, miss me with it. I'm not trying to hear that. I'm just not, like, I'm just not trying to hear it. It's a, it's a, it's a mood point because that's not, that's not even a valid point in this argument. But the fact that you would pull that into this argument as a valid point is disheartening, really because it's not a valid point.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I can I can get behind, I can understand the concerns, the, a, a lot of the other concerns. Uh, yeah. You know, how how is this setup going to affect me? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to get in more accidents with the floating parking, whatever? Um, those are valid concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you bring into the, you know, the poorest of our residents into this conversation and you claim to speak for them, when in reality, um, what you're opposing is a huge benefit. Um, let's, Let's stop with that I mean, but it's just the whole
3: It's just the whole picture of it. You know, we don't hear about the lesser of our district until it's time for you to get reelected. So,
0: <laughs>
3: uh, well, I'm... Any, any non-political lie. things uh, you'd
0: like to add, Max? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I think the bike lane is great. And I think yeah. that, you know, especially when you have data that shows this is the best place for it, I don't understand why all these other... Uh, added, fabricated, gut
1: feelings,
3: straight reaches. It's gut feelings. I mean, you're, y- y- y'all's backs got to be hurting from as far as y'all are reaching with this. Like, it's it's so it's such a reach. Oh, it's man. such a reach. So I'm for it.
0: All
2: right. I just want to. I I'm really really appreciative of the work that RVA Dirt has done on getting information out there and and highlighting these issues and and really come out in support of safer streets. And I just wanna emphasize the, the safety aspect of this. I live in Ginter Park. There's a bunch of kids, my kid's age. He just started at Holton um, in kindergarten last week. And because I'm his dad, he insists on riding his bike to school every day. And he has to cross Chamberlain and he has to cross oh. Brook and he has to cross Laburnum, the mm. three most dangerous streets in Northside. And if we can make one of those safer and reduce his, his chance of getting hit by a car, By a third or or whatever it is, um, I hope that people identify with that and can support that because I don't want my child or anybody else's child to get killed on the way to or from kindergarten class or first grade or or anywhere. Especially when you're trying to set
0: a good example for them that you don't have to get in a vehicle and go three blocks.
2: Right. And, you know, he's the only one riding the bike. My wife is pushing... Our two-year-old in a stroller, and she's she has the same challenges crossing the street that he does. It's not just five-year-olds that have problems crossing the street.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, thank you all, and thank you very much for joining us today, Max. Thank Thanks for so
2: having.
3: much. Appreciate your
1: expertise. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Bike lanes, let's go ride
3: bikes. Let's hey, go bikes. ride a bike. So we definitely need bike lanes RVA. RPS is still not fully funded, and Flint still got dirty water. Hmm.
0: Thank you to Max Hep buchanan of BikeWalk RVA for joining us today. We hope you walk or bike away from this discussion more informed and quite possibly with a desire to be more civic-minded. If you'd like to discuss this or any other of the melange of municipal topics we have before us, feel free to hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt. Until next time, stay classy, Richmond, and stay involved.